0: Again, there wasn't a lot of talk of winning or, or, or you know, focus on winning premierships or certain competitions or anything like that. It was, yeah, how, how was that race to, to the contracts or race to remain involved in this high performance uh, part of rugby for sure. Yeah.
1: Hello and welcome to the Off-Field Rugby Pod. My name is Brian Moylet, former Irish, age-grade international, now playing and coaching in Canada. Each week, I chat with a player or coach about their journey and get their insights. On Instagram, I share content around mental performance and clips from the pods. So follow me there, at Off Field Rugby, if that's something you're interested in. Also, if you enjoy the pod, please be sure to send it on to some friends who you think will get value from it. And please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening so that you don't miss an episode. Cheers! Today I'm chatting with Johnny McMurtry who is an Irish man that has coached in the junior goal system which is essentially the Australian underage pathway. A few years back his son dropped out of rugby and this prompted him to look into why that was and why so many other teenagers drop out of the game. So he started properly looking into this and doing research in conjunction with Rugby Australia and the University of Queensland. He talked with under-20 players across all of the Australian super rugby franchises in the underage international system on what motivated them, what they wanted from their coaches, and the environments that they liked most. We chat about this research that he's been doing over the past few years, and also about how social media could be affecting players, how to structure trainings to accelerate player development, why golfers often have better training environments than rugby players and what we can learn from them, how coaches can develop leaders, and lots more around how to motivate players. On Twitter, Johnny is at coaching the Coaches, and he has a blog with the same name. So a quick mention from our sponsor and then it's episode number 34 with Johnny McMurtry. A lot of people stress about money, where should you be investing, are you prepared if there's a crash, and loads more. And if you're not an expert, finances can be really daunting. I know the people at Sparks Wealth, and they're brilliant. What they do is they educate you on your finances without any jargon. They create a personalized plan for you, and manage your money so that it's working for you, and so you don't need to be worrying about it. You can book a free, no obligation, Zoom call now on their website, sparkswealth.ie. So chat to me, Johnny, about the studies and work they've been doing with the Australian Rugby Union over the last few years.
0: Yeah, but um, look, I always like to say where it started, you know, I've got a a son, 20 years of age, Um, he dropped out of rugby (laughs) twice, to be honest with you, so um he dropped out of rugby roughly when he was about 14 years of age and again it just came down to this just essentially what the coaches were pitching and, and you know what i mean how they were coaching he just he essentially wasn't buying it you know what i mean it just it just wasn't sort of correlating through and and he he didn't he wasn't feeling that you know necessarily the coaches were slightly overzealous or didn't have the best interest at heart so it made me look at it, I was fortunate enough at that time to be coaching uh, as part of what they call the Junior Gold Squad or the, the Rugby Australia Age Grade Academies. Um, I was, you know, looking after the, or, or part of the Brisbane-based one. And again, so it, it let me have a look at, and, and again, the volume of dropout, I'm, I'm sure it's the same where you are, the volume of dropout or the number of kids dropping out of rugby from like 16 to 18 years of age is massive. Uh, and again, it's, there's, there's multiple other distractions and multiple other um, things that a teenage boy can uh, distract himself with, whether that's positive or negative. But it really it, it created a niche with my son dropping out of, you know, why, why would these fellas be involved? Why, why do they play rugby? You know, I mean, what, what interest in, and what, what picture can we better have as coaches um, or teachers or whoever it might be? So um, do we understand, do we fully understand what they are interested or what they're trying to get out of the sport? So I was lucky with um, Rugby Australia. I was very supportive of it, and um, did it in, conduct, in conjunction with the uh, University of Queensland. Um, and we were able we I was given access to all the Super Rugby franchises, all the academy teams uh, within it. So all the under twenty players, so each between say, seventeen to twenty years of age, and was able to ask them, you know, what what are they typically trying to achieve? It was a, a it's called personal striving. So it's again, it's a a, a motivational research method that's been done for uh, as part of personality development um, and we were the first one to sort of apply it in a digital format to to these players or, or, or in a sport context so we were able to access and, and ask these players what are they typically trying to achieve in sport and away from sport so again yeah as a coach yeah you know, I mean the more you can understand from your players what they're trying to achieve both in sport and away from sport give give you a better picture allows you to better understand you know what makes them tick as a player you know I mean, so you can communicate with them you can goal set with them you can you know, all of a sudden you have this much deeper you know in sense of rapport with them uh or deeper connection with them which again us as coaches you know I mean that's that's really what we're trying to chase we're trying to chase this better understanding better connection with our players so that you know we can push and, and poke and prod you know i mean to try and get them this they, they ultimately drive motivate and drive themselves you know that's that's we're just you know I mean, environmental architects they call it that you know i mean we're trying to motivate them and, and create a create a context or create an environment where they're they're pushing themselves essentially so so yeah it, it, it was good to we asked the players both in the, the high competitive sections we asked them um twice across the season uh when they were in the high competitive yeah, that the essentially their 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 version of the, the super rugby competition where they they played against each other and then we asked them when they went back to um to call it community rugby club rugby uh just to try and see if there was any differences or even correlations and again it was you know super interesting for me to find uh, in reflection with other research it was super interesting for me that these fellows were really um internally focused intrinsically motivated so again they were there was very little talk of fun enjoyment even winning flags within within a rugby context within a sport context which challenged me initially because again we we all want to have this idea that you know the players are playing the sport for fun but again, it was comparing against other research out there, most notably uh, Amanda Vizek, um who's based in, in the States. She'd done a lot of work of what is fun within um, age-grade sport. And a lot of my work, or a lot of the findings from my research actually correlated for what these fellows determined as fun. So again, they had a high focus of like high effort, uh, really testing themselves, um, challenging themselves. They were looking for positive coaching, again, they're constantly looking for feedback, but again, it's that it's you know, I mean, essentially positive feedback or or relatable feedback to how they can get better uh, personally as a player. Um, like I was saying, there was very little talk of fun or winning competitions, winning flags or anything like that. It was very much a, an internally or intrinsically focus of how can they make themselves a better person. So it was super interesting, and again, they, they offer this to the likes of Rugby Australia and other age group coaches of. you know the data really is there and it was across both stages of the season that these fellas step into sport you know i mean they want to challenge themselves you know i mean they want to they want to come in and and, and i'm sure you know again it was the same in in soccer for for what vizek and and um, her other research team looked at over there and for my research again they they step into sport they want to challenge themselves they want to you know i mean set goals that are meaningful and important for them um and, and you know they want some Positive rapport or positive connection with the coach, uh, as a result, as well. So, so yeah, look, it was yeah, I mean, really good, really interesting stuff, um, and again, really fortunate that Rugby Australia and University of Queensland supported right through. So,
1: cool. So, with these, say, it was like 18, 19 year nineteen-year-old players. It was like under
0: twenty. Yeah, it was under twenty. So it's again the super super academy. So it's, it can be as low as um, there were some players, you know, seventeen years of age, you know, still part of or just exited school. And then right up until twenty years of age, where they're they're finalising the the academy contracts and looking for that super contract or whatever. Um. So yeah, there's that three sort of three year age range, but again, all involved with either school rugby or Colts rugby. But yeah, around that age we're you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Picture. So when you say intrinsically motivated, they were essentially looking for this twenties team to make them better rugby players, so that they can then i suppose get to a next level was that what they were looking to get from the environment
0: pretty much it yeah that's a pretty good you know i mean summarization of it yeah like there there were there wasn't there was always the feeling from the answers that they offered that yeah they were trying to tick certain boxes both that were important for them but you know i mean potentially and and that's why I'm, i'm hoping to do some more research in the future to try and better understand were they responding to the environments? Were the environments, you know, mean, modified to suit them and suit their goals? Um, that that was kind of unanswered. But, yeah, the real feeling for what you're saying was yeah, they were trying to ultimately make themselves better players to try and, you know, I mean, r- remain involved in the representative programs, as an example. Um, but again, yeah, there was a lot of them, you know, I mean, they just identified goals that was important to them and were just trying to, uh, yeah, be involved or or, you know improve themselves from being part of this program and to ultimately make themselves a better person and and, you know a lot of the times a better or a better player and ultimately a better person you know from being involved in these programs so so yeah but you could get that sense of feeling for what you're talking about that there was again there wasn't a lot of talk of winning or, or or you know focus on winning premierships or certain competitions or anything like that it was yeah, how always that race to, to the contract or race to remain involved in this high performance uh, part of rugby for sure? Yeah. yeah,
1: it's interesting. I listened to Eddie Jones's book recently, his second one, her deal one as well. But um, he said that Ajax have changed up what they've done in, rec- in recent years, and in the past, they used to entice young players to come play with them because they're like oh we're Ajax the best powerhouse in Europe and nowadays they're not a powerhouse in Europe so the way that they attract the best talent was saying we will make you the best you that you can be or we'll we'll give you the environment and facilities so that you can thrive and excel and then go elsewhere and I just wonder it's interesting you're saying that and I just wonder is it that players? young players today be it soccer rugby or whatever that they're kind of more motivated yeah to be the best versions of themselves and to kind of realize their potential individually versus like you say i want to win a premiership
0: yeah it's it's hard and it's a super interesting point to talk about because again the focus on i don't want to show the age too much but again the, the digital age that we live in now again a lot of people you know we have social media we have um ways to share video and things like that as an example so all of a sudden people are much more aware of how you're performing and whatever so there is that in you know there is that almost um uh you know the context of you know they're putting themselves out there you know they're representing themselves and there's ways for people to see and share and and, and understand you know I mean how you're performing whereas yeah in years gone by there was that that team first mentality so it's hard you know it's hard to understand and it. it's hard to again you know, a lot more research could and should be done indeed to try and better understand of why but again yeah i agree 100 you know 100 percent what you're saying again there's a very internalized focus and there's very much you know I mean, that people you know i mean do step into sport and other you know i mean again other um activities or exercises as well because yeah it's it's a chance for them to prove themselves it's a chance for them to test themselves and really that that you know I mean that age of player particularly that's that's what they're trying to do you know I mean to talk again about personality development they're trying to understand where they fit you know I mean outside their family circle or outside their you know uh, their close contact circle they just want to understand they want to find that sense of connection sense of where they belong so again, pushing and testing themselves, and you know, uh, uh, possibly putting themselves into this arena is, is something that they can measure themselves against and/or connect with as well. So, so yeah, it's it, it's a super interesting point that you make there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. sure.
1: Yeah, no, it's so important um, for coaches. Kind of, I think know as well because I don't know, I think as coaches it's always like, oh, you can be a part of this team and win this. But it's I doubt many coaches are saying to young players out there. I can. We'll make you the best version of you so that you can go on to the next level. Like, I doubt that is said much in me, in lots of environments, you know. And it's just good to know that, so then you can you can maybe do a bit of both as well, and you can really get the best out of your players.
0: Yeah. Look, and there is again, and that's it's interesting when you speak. As you say, even the likes of Eddie Jones, and, and lucky enough to talk to the likes of Brad Thorne over here, and whatever, where there is that, you know, what I mean, there is that. Once you get to that, that real sort of. Top tier and whatever, there is that idea that you know that you want to make better people as well. You know what I mean? Like you seem uh, like I was just talking about before. There's a lot of floods around Queensland, and again, uh, Brad has got this because he represented uh, Queensland, you know, for rugby league as well. He understands what it takes and makes to, to represent your state and whatever. So getting out there and representing, doing a bit of cleanup and whatever, it's just he's trying to make them better people as well as better players. Mm. But as you said, when you dribble down to you know, I mean some of the grassroots and some of the age group teams unfortunately again coming back to overzealous coaching or or maybe again the coaches they see the scoreboard or how this team performs as a representation of them as well and so they, they focus a lot on results or, or or even how right down to how the team trains you know what i mean With like uh, a lot of coaches think you know well it, practice has to be perfectly laid out and you know it has to look a certain way and we don't want zero mistake or we don't want any mistakes in practice and whatever but it's not reflective and it's not contextual for actually how the game's played you know what I mean it needs to be really representative for you know I mean because making mistakes as an example making mistakes and allowing the players to make decisions that's how they learn and that's how then they can actually you know when they step over the paint on a Saturday or Sunday wherever it might be then they can there's much more uh, relatedness to training if they if they can make these mistakes and are allowed to um you know train in a certain way or develop and uh, they're learning in a certain way but yeah for you know I mean for what you're saying it's 100 right because yeah there's a lot of coaches or a lot of ideas or programs out there where as you said they don't it, it it's it's almost hard for them why aren't they focusing on having you know I mean, developing people and and there is some really good programs and really good clubs you know I mean, even around Brisbane and whatever but a lot of it is still very, very much focused on, uh, the rugby development and the rugby score lines to call it that, as opposed to, um, you know, actually, you know, how, what, what type of person, and what type of player they actually want involved in their rugby program off the field as well. So yeah, it's been fun. Oh,
1: it's, that's a brilliant point you make. And, um, about the coaches getting so much like satisfaction or like, or, in the result. And it's, it's crazy. Like I coach coach and play and I still see it with coaches. It's like win on a Saturday and it's like, Oh, delighted, brilliant. All is good. Everything's great. The week was worth it. And if it's lose on a Saturday, it's awful. Everything's awful. And I think coaches really need to take a step back and really look at why they're doing it because it's it's not about that final result at all at lower levels of course if you're a, if you're a professional coach or if you're wherever in your performance and you're looking to keep a job or get a job at, at the very high levels but it's like you say it's enjoying the training it's enjoying watching people come along and it's to the detriment of the players as well like if you if you're just playing to win like you say like your son's under 14, under 16, under 18 there's no such thing as an elite under 14 or under 16 team there really isn't you know <laughs> like yeah. and if if the coach is just like only
0: caring about winning it's crazy yeah it's such a knife and again it's such a fleeting i think again if you if you are fortunate enough to win you know an under 14 premiership or whatever it might be it's such a fleeting moment at the end of the day Look, i'm really fortunate one of the first teams i coached as i said it's about 14 15 years ago now it was an under 16 team They're, uh, even by their stat they call themselves a bunch of misfits you know what i mean uh, they just wanted someone to come in and that's what they're looking for they're looking for someone to care about them uh that you know i mean high turnover of coaches and they wanted someone to come in and care and whatever and like some of the you know if we, i don't know how many games we won or or you know i mean how successful we really were in terms of on the rugby field but i've been fortunate enough to go to two of those players weddings you know i mean i've seen you know i mean a few of them have kids and things like that that's really Mm-hmm. that's what we should be as coaches you know i mean we should be looking you know like again we players like like we found from my research and like so many people have written in sport and away from sport you know this idea of connection this idea of care you know what i mean you look at john Wooden stuff you know one of his cornerstones of his you know pyramid is the idea of love you know what i mean this love and care for your players so you know there's so many people out there saying it and things like that but as you said it's Overlooked still by a lot of coaches, and again, I I don't want to sound or show my age too much, I don't want to blame social media, but I think it has been excelled or heightened to some degree by by the idea of social media, and as you said, people having to put themselves out there and represent themselves, and, and, and possibly that's what it may be. But yeah, look at that, that that was always the aim of, of my research in particular, and, and you know I mean, why I, I try and talk about it as much as I can, because yeah, like as you say whomever won you know i mean whatever games you win this year whatever you know i mean your premierships or flags that you might win whatever these are fleeting moments but some of the connections some of the relationships hopefully a lot of the friendships that you get from the sport should be a lot longer lasting and a lot uh, deeper in the memory than you know i mean some some particular game that you might win so yeah
1: yeah, for sure and that's uh, i think just it clarify it's not to say that like when you're coaching, you don't want the team to win. Like when I'm coaching, like I want us to win because I see how much effort that the girls put into training and how much they want to win, and I, you know how much yeah they just put into it. But I suppose I know from playing as well. Like when I'm playing, then and you win, that's where you get real. Like you you've done it as a coach. You don't do. You're not out there playing. Like you're not the one who wins the game. You're not the one who wins the competition. And I think sometimes coaches get a, a bit bit caught up with how important they are and that it's you know it's their championship it's like no it's not the players won it i know as a player when i when i'm playing and we win it's because of us players when i'm coaching and and the team wins it's because of them players you know Absolutely. and what was when your son dropped out what was when you say overzealous coaching like were there any i think people have an idea but were there any kind of things in particular
0: Oh look, and again, I, I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not trying to target other coaches, but like they started. So the age grade season in Australia would start in roughly, you know, I mean, late March, start, late March start of April, as an example, and they started their preseason in mid November or something like that. You know what I mean? So again, <laughs> it was, yeah, that's like the season so, before. Pretty much, like pretty much, and again, look, that's that's he had the right intentions. Again, it wasn't wasn't he? he was just trying to essentially put the best team out there and offer offer. I mean, his ideas of development, you know, I mean, he offered them to the players. And and again, that was just my son's reflection was, he he wanted to play golf, he wanted to play other sports and whatever. And the idea of this pre season taking up maybe a couple of nights a week or whatever it was, just it was more commitment that he was willing to give. And that's fine. But, and again, coming back to your point, like, as you said, for the for these coachable moments for these players and whatever you get much more yeah as you said we don't we don't coach or we don't try and develop these players to lose or or, or by any stress of the imagination mm. but probably the most exciting thing is is those as I call them the light bulb moments all of a sudden when you when you teach and you, you talk about certain things and, and players can buy into it and and make certain adaptions to their you know learning or, or playing style as well that's probably the most excitable moments when as you said it's just it's a bit of a light bulb moment they they see it they act on it and it's you know i mean it's satisfying you know regardless if they can you know constantly develop constantly improve constantly adapt that's probably more satisfying than any scoreboard or any result as an example so so yeah as i said that, the overzealous coaching was he was he was as a coach he was offering he was, he was doing the best with the tools he had uh, in, to, to call it that but again it was just it was misaligned to essentially the, the, the volume of commitment or, or yeah, just, just it wasn't applicable almost for the age that my son was at or the stage of development that my son was at. So so that's why, again, for, for my research, it was just trying to offer a picture or offer even a cheat sheet to go, all right, here's your player, here's actually what motivates them, here's how you can communicate, here's how you can structure almost the training environment or learning environment for them, off you go, you know, and give this a crack and whatever, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a great point you're making as well. And that you're kind of like saying how it's not uh bad intentions that coach are doing this. And I think coach education, like essentially what you're doing is so, so important. Like I remember when I, I started off coaching and then it was probably, I don't know, two years later, I went to my first kind of coach education weekend or whatever with Russell Earnshaw who's on this. And I was just like, my mind was blown and you just, you do learn so much. So yeah, I suppose it's uh, that's what you're doing is helping helping them understand yeah, what exactly will get the best of those players and what they want because yeah, it's not all these overzealous coaches. <clears throat> it's not with bad intention or it's you know it's not the worst intentions. And when your son dropped out, did he go to a different sport?
0: He did. He went as I say, focused on golf for a bit. Like he went back to rugby. So saying this was he played both rugby for school and club, dropped out of club because again just. That was where it was yeah i mean there was there's almost too much commitment uh, so still stayed involved in Baltimore, rugby in school but then interestingly hit senior like the last you know i mean the last two years of school where you know it's, it's senior teams and it seems to get a, a lot a brighter spotlight uh and again just went no this isn't for me you know what i mean so it, it was just the sport wasn't giving him and he looked at this now the sport wasn't giving him what he wanted from it you know i mean he was happy almost to drop down in the grades and just have some fun with his mates and whatever so and again if his coaches had a bass like you're saying if the coaches have asked questions or been aware of why he wanted to be involved in sport or whatever as an example then they could have offered him you know the program or 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 the engagement from from the sport that he actually was looking for um so yeah he stayed within sport and again loves still loves watching rugby union rugby league and whatever but yeah again it was just it was just this misalignment in almost misalignment in commitment or, or yeah, that training time, that volume or that, that he wasn't, he wasn't looking for at that stage. So
1: yeah. Yeah. And is there anything different with the golf that you've picked up from him or that he said, Hey, we do this in golf. That's different or cool or interesting.
0: Hey, that's a good question. Like again, he likes to, I guess it's probably less, um, you know if you if you try something or make mistakes in golf then it doesn't impact or affect the full team possibly you know mm. i mean possibly like he, yeah. he does like he goes to the driving range and he'll try certain things and, and he'll spin around me you know being the coach you, you sort of sit there and yeah you know, I, I i like the idea of stepping back before you step in that I, I like him to come and ask me questions essentially of well what do you think of that or you know, i mean what's going on on you know pulling this a bit here or something like that and make slight adjustments that way so I guess possibly a bit more space to to explore and try things and ask questions and whatever um and again like you know, for what you're saying you know I mean coaches like yourself and Rusty you know I mean are, are pretty good in asking questions getting a feel for it letting them you know I mean try certain things and supporting them again that, that idea of positive coaching and letting them explore uh, again if you have a coach who's less focused on the scoreboard to call it that or this focused on practice looking perfect um then I'm sure he could have got that you know I mean that idea of exploring experimenting trying new things as an example but yeah I think that's just possibly what he likes from golf you know like it, you see what you see on TV you know, he tries uh, all the flop shots and, and and so on and so forth that you know I mean realistically is a, a low percentage in golf but hey why not at the end of the day if he if he, you know, he skims it you know, hits it into a bunker or anything like that I guess he's not letting anyone down but himself and mm-hmm. And I guess he can manage it that way as well. So so that's possibly it's you know, in a good observation or a good question, you know, I mean that that's possibly he's more in control of you know I mean, of any mistakes he makes. And um yeah, it's a good good point, good question.
1: oh that's that's really interesting that you say that because um like you say there's space to explore different things, try different things, and room to fail without any repercussions. And <clears throat> just with I don't know, as rugby coaches listening, but that's that's exactly what I think we should be striving for as rugby coaches, but I understand fully how that does not happen in a lot of teams because I've been in many different teams. But when you do give players exactly those things, space to explore, try things, make mistakes, they... they they become way better versions of themselves. Like they try the skip pass, they try the dummy switch, ball over the top, ball in behind. They try all these different things, and then they start to learn what works, and then they start to practice things and hone things. But if you're just always being risk averse, you're never trying anything.
0: and Yeah, absolutely. like yeah. I mean, the, the game, big thing. Yeah, and a lot of people. We're not necessarily saying the game is the teacher, but you know, I mean, for us as coaches, there is a there is a bit of an outline for the game. You know, I mean, I, particularly in rugby union, you only you know, pass the ball a certain way you know, I mean scrums lineouts there is a there, there is a, a sort of outline for the game we have to as coaches it's almost colored by numbers we have to as coaches be confident and allow the players to essentially you know I mean add color to this picture we can guide and offer advice and offer uh, certain ideas for different scenarios but the more we can allow them to offer a blueprint of how they want to play the game then the more they'll buy into it the more they'll in, get, be engaged by it The more again it, we talk about you know this buy-in and, and, and we want you know i mean players to commit 100 percent. they're not necessarily going to commit 100 if it's not a true representation of how they see the game you know we again the years gone past and you know the difference in coaches and I was, I was listening to a, a different podcast the other day where it was talking about you know the, the different types of games like the women's is different to the men's game at the highest level yeah. because they kick they kick a lot less so again yeah. to have a, a coach come in and try and encourage women to kick a bit more or something like that will just be all of a sudden they'll feel this fight against it you know it needs to reflect they need to understand the type you know I mean, the type of players you have the style of game they want to play and help them, as opposed to the other way around. We shouldn't be guiding them. Again, we can offer ideas, and we can say, "Well, based on," yeah, I'm not saying we, we need to lean heavily on stats or data or anything like that, but based on what we see and based on what we know, this is the type of game, or this is the type of uh, uh, player, or, or style of play that is successful. Um, what do you think? Does this does this reflect? And does this look like the game to you? Or or what can we take from this? Again, it's, it should be almost like. A, yeah, a collaborative game plan, you know, again, the, the more you can involve the players in everything, you know, what I mean, just the game design, practice design, you're right through, you know, as I say, I've never, uh, for for many years, I've never, you know, called yeah, any set piece moves or backline moves or, or line out calls or anything like that. Again, if they can put that on to them, if they name it, call it what they want, have it what it looks like, then again, they're putting their stamp on the game and they're in greater control for what the actual game looks like for them and it's a true representation of them
1: as well so yeah it's a really interesting point you make about uh, kicking in the women's game and i like coach boys and men for i don't know whatever four or five years and then two and a bit years ago started coaching women and it was the first thing that i noticed is that there there's they can't kick the ball as far. So, like, if you look at the Six Nations or whatever, the kicking game is huge because you have people who can kick at 70 metres. Like, Stuart Hogg with a spiral can literally kick at the length of the field. And it's a huge weapon. And I remember I just watched one or two of their games before I started coaching them. And, yeah, it was like, okay, you can't copy what you would have done in the past or copy what you see on TV. And it was actually brilliant because I love... um, I love it because then I was encouraging them to take quick taps from everywhere. Like if you've even a penalty in the middle of the field, it's what's that 35 meters away from the touchline. Like it's quite a distance. So there's not as much benefit to kick to touch even. So I was just like quick taps everywhere, play fast. And because of that, like some of the things they've done have been incredible. Like, Two, three weeks ago, they get a scrum-free scrum, a scrum free kick on their own five meters, tap it, like offloads and go literally 70 meters, and then there's a rock, and they play from there. It's it's such a benefit. And it's a good point in that you make in that we can't just, if someone's coaching underage, we can't just look at what's happening the All Blacks are doing and just copy it and give it to the under-16s, 18s, or whatever it is, because it's not the same game.
0: No no that's it and it was interesting I think it was similar stats you know what I mean where it came out where again this is a couple of years ago where there's this high focus on possession and building phases building pressure and whatever and then they looked at it and the team that kicks the most internationally is the All Blacks but again it's a different style of kicking you know it's it's quite uh there's a lot of kick chase a lot of uh short kicks you know I mean it's a very much a bearing kicking style as an example but but yeah again it's it's just like for what you're talking about again all of a sudden you've whiffed this this weight of you know i mean your female players you go just tap it you know what i mean just have a go and and again they've obviously gone well yeah that's great that's they, they've responded well to themselves and or uh, you know against for your direction and, and and felt you know well we've got a bit of freedom here we can just do what we feel is right again you know, <laughs> they just feel if like we got it you know, if we can tap and we can go we're in greater control again it's an element of control then yeah you know, again if you kick to the line then the, all of this, the line is a challenge whereas you, if you tap and go as an example you're you know it's it all comes back to the effort and communication and, and, and again they're in greater control of it so it's so again yeah, it's interesting as I said it's it's again it's just for me it really comes back to understanding your athletes and, you yeah know, what does the game look like for them and what what you know what are they capable of what do they want to do in the game again there, there might be you might have a you know, a, a bunch of very heavy forwards so they do want to kick to the line they do want to challenge yeah. you know, I mean in lineouts and scrum time but again without asking these questions without having these basic conversations as I say, you, you may be designing a game or, or or a framework that just that they just can't believe. Too sadly, so
1: yeah. And I was chatting to beforehand or was that at the start of this, can't remember. Um, that <laughs> I'm coaching the BCU 18 boys this summer, and we've had a few calls with say the different like U14 up to U19 coaches. What would there be any advice you'd give us in say how we say I don't know structure our camps or. Uh, select teams or tr- have our trainings or yeah anything
0: well, look i'd always start off with you you've got to get to know your players and they've got them by the signs of things it's some you know it's a representative program i don't know how long your camps or whatever are for but realistically you, you know i mean you've got to get them know the players on on a personal level as well you know what I mean, because then you're going to ask them for you know, I mean, high commitment, high effort, whatever. And again, if they don't know it's coming from a place of good intentions or a place of you know, I mean, that you actually care about them as individuals as well, then you're not going to get that. You know, they're not going to give you, you know, I mean, that the, they're always going to be a bit standoffish as well. So, so I guess you yeah, know, I mean, starting off the camp with you know, a, a bit of a Get to know and, and you know sitting around in circles sharing ideas showing some humility you know i mean yourselves as coaches opening up and, and sharing a few ideas and, uh, and and being you know being honest about you know i mean some some tough hard questions again without i understand it might be a short camp or short you don't want to get too much away obviously but but again if you want a, a greater level of buy-in then yeah as i say it's just taking that time and and, and really um, establishing those you know points of connection um, is, is really really important really important and then and then from that you'll identify uh, I've done some work you know I mean, a couple of books around uh, Brisbane around uh, one of them uh, Ryan Schultz at, at Churchy talking about leadership he's he spent a lot of time a lot of legwork from getting to know his players and he knows what players can lead what you know I mean, we talk about task or social leaders as an example so all of a sudden you can hand the reins over to you know I mean certain players right well you can look after this part of the training session you can look after in camp oh we're we're going to go out for dinner you guys can choose where we're going to go or or what that looks like as an example because the big thing always it doesn't matter what camp or what age or or what um you know what level you're coaching at I would say you know I mean uh, nearly 100% of the coaches will say they they could always do with more time all right so if you get the understand and know your players and know who can take control of certain elements for you as a coach then number one the other players will respond to it you know what I mean you'll get greater buy-in from them all of a sudden you'll have more time as well and more time to hopefully you know deepen these connections as well so that would be again it's it's, it's hard again that's I get I always stress this as well when you know when talking to looks like yourself what we're, what we're talking about establishing these connections taking this time to know your players almost on a personal level is hard it's really hard and it's hard work and it's something that needs to you know, i mean you always you, you know, it's very cyclical. you need to keep coming back to it but understanding what's going on with that player understanding what's going on yeah, you know, i mean on the pitch what they're thinking on the pitch but also away from the pitch means you better understand you know, what level of engagement you'll have you know i mean today tomorrow this weekend and whatever so to so get yeah, that, that that's always critically important it's something i, I really like to focus on or, or talk to coaches about focus on as well so for sure
1: yeah it's uh i fully agree and since I became comfortable coaching like I remember my very first session I was like so nervous and like coaching under 16 boys in my club back home and like I just was like freezing in front of them but since I say became confident or comfortable or whatever the one thing that actually stresses me out is when I coach a new team learning the names and then it's like second session in and I, I think I'm like asking just oh what's your name and then if it gets to like if I if I haven't learned them by the second then the third, I'm like, oh, my, I get, you know, that's actually the most stressful thing. And like I say, it is so important, you know, it's so important to like literally knowing someone's name is is probably more important to them than how good a coach you are in those first session, first couple of sessions. Or they'll think you're a better coach if you know their name and say hello to them and whatever versus yeah. a, this is your attack drill or something, you know?
0: Yeah, that's it. Oh. You're dead right you know i mean knowing knowing and communicating someone on a first name basis is just, like it's so powerful you know I mean, at the end of the day you can you know look someone square chest to chest say their name yeah you know, i mean ask them what's going on they talk about last time as i said that, yeah i fortunate to talk to the likes of shane wecky petrof cinema uh who have been coached by you know one of the greatest coaches in, in australia wayne bennett and that was what they talk about they talk about the fact that wayne bennett like again he wasn't necessarily tactically more astute than anyone else um, but for what, you know, I mean, coming back to your point of knowing the players by the first name, like Shane Webke says, you know, I mean, and swore by it then that Wayne would come over for two, three minutes. He'd be like, how's things? How's the kids? You said, you know, I mean, your son might have been sick last week. Oh, the wife started a new job, whatever it might have been. But for two, three minutes, he just engaged him you know, in conversations completely off. You know, I mean, not, not about sport at all. Um, but he said after that two, three minutes, he would have ran through a wall for so exactly for what you're saying there is this pressure as a coach you know what i mean especially and it's hard for each group coaches because you'll have a new group and a new bunch of players each year so getting to know them again on a first name basis is it's hard work but it's stressful because as you said you, you understand as a coach how much impact that can have as well and i would say it was probably important for you when you're playing and if you had a coach who would, you know you make up a, a half fake nickname or something like that that just didn't stick as much as you know I mean, some of you would say you know i think mean, you know johnny or you know, this would want to do xyz yeah all of a sudden it have had a deeper buy-in and deeper sense of connection if you have this first name basis and a deeper understanding of um, you know I mean, who and how and what's going on so yeah
1: yeah a trick that i learned last year was when i'm doing the roll call on the first day to make sure everyone's there is writing down like red boots blue scrum yeah. cap beside their names so yeah. <laughs> if i if i make if i'm not sure i can look down on that and uh, yeah. yeah keep keep yeah, on great. top of it and um, an interesting one you say there is that all coaches Could do it more time or say they could do it more time and that is 100 true for sure and even now like in the university we train three days a week and you know most clubs are two days a week and still you're always like oh geez i wouldn't mind a bit more time in the field but um it is it's hard for coaches then to say if they have less time and like these with this summer, with, say the BC team, we could have like two or three camps, like three day camps. So it's just it's very there's trials and then it's it's quite short. But um, it is hard then I suppose for coaches sometimes wrap their head around that you're cutting down such a limited training time to do these things like have a chat and whatever, whatever. And I fully agree with you; it is of paramount importance. But uh, yeah, it can be difficult for coaches, can't it, to get
0: that balance? Oh. Absolutely. And again, it's, it comes back to the point you made earlier of all of us, you know, I mean, we, we lose sight. If we have more time, as you said, three-day camps, if we have more time, we have this big block of time. We'll try and fit so much it as well. We'll try mm-hmm. and cover so much content. You know what I mean? That's just our nature as coaches or, or you know, I mean, leaders or programs. We want to get give them so much information and try so many different things. But really it comes back to you like you said before, it's it's this this effort, let's not lose sight of what's actually important. You know what I mean? Let's let's spend a three day camp, let's spend, you know, I mean half a day getting to know the players, what makes them tick what they're actually interested in. You know, what I mean what 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 really interests them or what do they want the game to look like because that's really that that is sharpening your sword. So that, you know, later down the track and whatever, it's something that, you know, I mean you can hang you know, everyone can hang their hat on. You know, if they say what's important is, you know, certain aspects or certain elements of the game and all you're going to do as coaches later on in the season is echo that but yeah you're dead right it's it's extremely hard because it's in our nature as coaches to try and you know I maybe mean, say if you're fortunate enough to have two three sessions a week or, or or some coaches only have one session a week no matter what age or stage you're at in, in regards to coaching you try to you know get as much in there as you can you want to make as much impact as you you yeah, know I mean, as you can and again like like you said earlier on no no coaches have bad intentions there's no we're not we're not you yeah, know I mean, we're not meaning to over over coach or, or offer too much information to, to, to necessarily um, overwhelm the players that we're trying to coach it's just yeah we're, we're trying to positively impact you know i mean them and their playing style and, and whatever it might be but yeah as i said it's just it's hard it's in our nature as coaches we always feel time first we're trying as much information as we can and jam as much into sessions as we can but yeah realistically the more we can understand our players and the more we can let them drive it or the more say they have in it then actually the less we almost have to do or the less we have to uh, really almost enforce or, or you know I mean remind as coaches so yeah that the more they'll take control of it and the more we're just guiding them so yeah it's hard there's no there's no quick fix around
1: Yeah, it's something I've learned a lot in the last like 18 months about how less is more. And once again, starting out a few years back, it's like I have all of this information that I have built up from playing and whatever over... 15 years blah, blah blah, and i have these kids and it's like how much information can i throw at these kids in the next 90 minutes and then you know you throw so much at them they're obviously like deer in the headlights but you go away and you're like all right we, we went we covered a lot there and then you're like throwing more than throw more at them and it really is less is more it's like just let them at it and i even know now like i'm 29 but like if i'm playing the club and people are just telling me too much i'm just like please shut up and just let me play like stop talking
0: you know what I mean like I'm just thinking
1: and if coaches say more than like a couple of lines I'm like all right just be please leave you know what I mean it's like give me more and something I learned I was working with um good coach educator kind of last oh last last year at some point but we were talking about pre-match pre-match meetings kind of and he really helped us a lot our coaching group in that uh, it was like, give them three points because we would talk for not too long, three, four minutes on kind of things to do. And then after he would ask the players, what what are we, what's the focus on today? And they'd be like, um, and they'd give like one or two points, but each coach would probably talk for three minutes. So that's nine minutes. You know, there's so much in there. Whereas if you just, it has to be like one point, two points, yeah. that's it. Yeah.
0: And that's exactly dead that, right. You know, and, and it's one, two points. If you, again you're just echoing stuff as well it's, it's hopefully stuff that you've already pre-covered and whatever i think it's like um interestingly like what you say i think doug lamoff does this stuff you know in his book that he talked about that retention rate as well you know you as coaches as you said you try and give them all this information you try and tick so many boxes oh what did we do last week what did we do we need to improve on all right let's do this 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 tick 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 and whatever but the retention rate as you said because there's so much going on it's so low you know what i mean that, that's yeah. where again it's it's almost if you can involve the players in and this is hard you know I mean involve the players in all right well what did we do well what didn't we do well what do we need to work on so again they're aware of it so all of a sudden you you put that you know that little worm inside their head so even if you do try and cover it and it is slightly glazed over by some of the players there hopefully there's enough of that brain worm in there that oh yeah that's that's actually I remember this from last week that's what we talked about whatever but yeah again there's it's so hard as you said as coaches because you know we want again with good intentions we want to cover so much and we want to give them you know almost a a better environment or a better situation or improve them you know throughout the season but as you said yeah i mean sometimes uh, and again i can't remember who it was one of the coaches um, within the nrl learning group you know sometimes it's better to step back before you step in all right give them room let them figure it out again we as coaches again we want to step in we want to talk we want to positively positively contribute sometimes just letting it be messy and let them work it out you know what i mean there's some like you said you know what i mean all right we're not going to kick for touch let's tap and go and see what it looks like all right and then all of a sudden they've tried it two three four five times and they've started to collaboratively know what it looks like and they all act and react accordingly yeah i mean that's a great way to look at it it's just well we're going to do this because you know i mean we can't kick that far whatever and just see again what it looks like so so yeah you're dead right less is more sometimes you know what i mean this where it's just as you said it's hard for us sometimes as coaches did not want to offer an ideas and advice it's just it's, it's just hard it's in our nature but but yeah it's just you know the more we can let these kids or or age group players drive you know their development then again the more retention hopefully we we'll would see so a lot of hours go
1: into making this podcast each week If you enjoy listening to the pod and would like to support me in making it and making sure that it keeps coming out, I have a Patreon page and there's a supporters tier. You can sign up, it's monthly, and I don't know what currency you're in, but it'll be a very, very small amount. But that support would mean so, so much to me. Also, if you're an ambitious player or someone who's interested in self-development, if you're a coach and you want to help your players on the mental side of the game. I have a tier called the first 15. And on this tier, you'll get extra podcasts from me based around mental skills, sports psychology that'll help you become more confident, more accountable, develop stronger self belief, and give you tools to deal with adversity. I sometimes put out bite sized, like shorter versions of these Patreon only podcasts. So you can listen into them to get an idea. And there's a third tier. Uh, one-on-one mentorship tier for if you want to do exactly that work one-on-one with me so that I can help you become the player that you know you can be and achieve your goals lastly if you're a coach or involved with a team and you think it's important for players to be confident have self-belief be mentally strong send me a dm on instagram or twitter at offfieldrugby and we'll chat about what I can do to help your team become exactly that
0: yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And another good learning moment for me, oh, I don't know, maybe two years ago or so or just over that, I was coaching like just some attack for like 3v2 or something and just stand on the side of it, like talking a lot, like just just standing there talking and um, coach, educator whatever, like was he call, goes like, Brian, uh, just come over here, he called me <laughs> over. And I like went back and stood beside him and I'm like, what, what? what and he goes just and he didn't say anything and i'm like what What?" and then and he's just like stop and then like he's like look over and he's like they're doing all right and i was like yeah and then he said just wait here for a minute we just watched it for a minute and they were like fine so mm-hmm. me standing at the side of the drill saying like just <laughs> being a running commentary you yeah. think as a coach that you're you're very you i think as coaches sometimes you you overestimate how important you are or how needed you are you know like right. the players can can do it all themselves most of the time
0: yeah absolutely i again, like again i'm sure what you were saying was there was good intentions again you're probably yeah. trying to offer positive feedback and giving them encouragement and things like that but i guess then it's that it's just reminding ourselves that accuracy of information as well you know what i mean it's like we don't really as you said like they know if they're doing a good job they know if it feels right they know you know i mean what good play looks like you know i mean they're all there you know i mean as each group players and they all know what they're, they're trying to do again it's then it's you you as a coach to offer that accuracy of feedback you know it's to go all right well that ball went down or, or you know i mean i love you know love to be able to ask questions in the fly because again it's, it's it's beating them think. all right the ball went down what do you think went wrong Oh hands worked up or, or had the wrong you know i mean wrong leading foot up or something like that great you know what i mean so that's the bits that stick as you said you know i mean they offer positive commentary but even, you know i mean just a running commentary Just you're not gonna you know as you said you're almost interrupting it you know i mean it was that was a really cool observation by the, the coach developer to just you know, just just step back again just give them some room let them it out and, and again they'll be the ones as well all the good you know in mean, groups have you know I mean player leaders within it and they'll stop it and they'll say if it's not right or it doesn't feel right or it doesn't look right then they'll stop it and go all right well what's missing and again i guess that's for us as coaches you almost have to encourage that you know i mean that's because again they're the ones stepping over the paint they're the ones who are going to represent you know I mean, yourself the team whoever on on saturday or sunday so they should be the ones doing the error correction they should be the ones you know, i mean talk you know talking amongst the players and let them set the standards but yeah again it's it's hard because we as coaches we, we do want it and again it comes from a positive pace, but we do want to positively impact our players for sure, for sure.
1: yeah and uh, two th- two yeah. good things said there but the, the accurate feedback like just being whichever one, just be very if you're going to say something technical just you know be accurate make sure it's good and then the other thing i think is brilliant is just the positive encouragement like just like cheering good things on mm. but yeah, for for all the other stuff like if a player is playing, like they're gonna learn how to execute a two v one, or you know, saying like run at this shoulder and then put your hands here and then put the ball here and then look at this way and then pass the ball here when you're three steps away and then continue, like players, you know, it's just it's give you anxiety right. nearly thinking about it.
0: <laughs> That's it. That's it. Again, it's too much. It comes back to what you were saying before. It's too much. They're not gonna take. They'll probably take in the first two comments that you said, mm. and then after that, it's just you know they'll confuse and whatever. But as you said again, if you can, you know, offer them ideas, or, you know, I mean, overall, what, what the overall aim looks like, after that, if they work it out, you know, at the end of the day, if they execute a TV one and, and you know, do it completely different to how you do it, but the outcome's the same, really isn't that, you know what I mean, is that not the, the idea, you know what I mean, we want individualism in sport and we want them to have essentially a, a, an individualized learning experience and, and they're going to have their own path and development. So, so again, we can explain to them the benefits of doing certain things in your example of a 2v1, 3v2. But ultimately, if they do it something slightly different or, or whatever way it looks like, then that's what we want. You know, I mean, we want them to put their own stamp on the game or put their own uh, colour in their development, so for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And talk to me about um, the your Twitter and blog, Coaching the Coaches.
0: Yeah. Oh, look, um, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for playing Like um It really started, like you said, you know, it, it was something the blog really started just because it was something, you know I mean again I was talking to other coaches sharing ideas just you know I mean chat you know chat around other sports and grabbing some certain things and whatever as well um it's just I just wanted to share some ideas again I just wanted somewhere to go and almost share my ideas share what I see share what I feel um you know I mean I'm speaking to other coaches about it as well it's just it's just another resource and like I'm glad you know I mean I, a few people, you know, and talk about and enjoy it and whatever, and that's that's cool, you know what I mean? That's that's it's something that I looked for again. We're, we're really fortunate, you know, what I mean, it's how you go 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, I mean, all, all the resources were either face to face or from books, and now, like, again, we're, we're having you know conversations with computer and you know, Twitter's out there, and you can share, you know, I mean, articles and ideas and whatever. That's again, that's the, that's just the idea, you know what I mean? It's just trying to put some more ideas out there, just a bit of um self-reflection really like yeah, that's yeah. that's why yeah, I mean that's what I've been pushing as well just trying to you know I mean what you're doing as a coach again I don't think any coach goes out there with bad intentions or or trying to push their own boat you know I, I think they do have a particularly in age group sport they do a lot of them are parents just trying to do the best they can for you know I mean their their son or daughter's team is an example but the idea is just to try and share some ideas and share a bit of reflection share some articles or, or some previous research and say well this is what we find, this is what's out there. Again, let's you know, I mean, context matters, you know. That's probably a big thing that my advisors would always say, Stephen Ring, Mallet. Context matters, you know. I mean you gotta grab some ideas or grab some reading or grab some research and, and, and apply the ideas to your current, you know, cohort of players, whatever it looks like. Because again, you know, I mean, for what we talk about, like even some of the articles I've written, you know, from two, three years ago are massively different, obviously with COVID and whatever, massively different now you know what i mean the the, the, the high things are even done like the the emphasis of organized sport and i mean i think it's a global um issue at the moment is you know trying to get people re-energized and you know i mean really committing long-term to organized sport is hard all of a sudden you yeah. know what i mean it's, it's really yeah. hard it's you know i mean um in, in australia yeah we've seen like i said before you know a decent volume of dropout of uh, kids you know i mean not returning to the of club rugby club soccer whatever it might be but yeah, that, and so that's why we, as coaches or or program organizers, whatever it might be, you we know, gotta you know read, read through things and, and consider different ideas and how to re-engage them. But yeah, look, that, that's the blog was just started for you know, it was keeping me off the streets essentially. But yeah, it was just a something to do and again just a resource to share ideas and share articles and whatever. So um, yeah, I'm I'm glad you know looks like you and you know people out there enjoy it. So that's cool to hear. it's cool to hear. No,
1: it's good stuff, and for people listening, yeah, I enjoy the one with Joe Burrow or about Joe Burrow recently before the NFL, and yeah, it's not <laughs> a, it's not just all rugby. It's people listening, yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah, cool. Um, hey Johnny, thanks so for your time. Um, really enjoyed chatting, and uh, yeah, it's been brilliant.
0: No, no, thanks. Yeah, thanks for the invite again. I, I love what you're doing out there, and as a massive fan, listening to some of the blokes you've had on and, and ladies you've had on the podcast, it's, I, I really appreciate what you're putting out there as well. That's cool.
1: Cheers, Johnny. hope you enjoyed the chat if you did would you please share it on social media on your twitter instagram or linkedin and send it on some people who you think might get some value from it would really appreciate those things just one thing to clarify which i was chatting about in the pod with johnny when i coach I absolutely do want to win and i want us to win and i want us to be successful but To be honest, my biggest focus is on helping the players become the best versions of themselves and to play a brand of rugby that is really exciting to play and to watch. Like, when I'm standing on the sideline, I want it to be exciting. I want it to be watch. I want to be watching good rugby. And I'm fully aware, though, and cognizant that a byproduct of that should be that we win games. And we do. And that's what I was getting at. Anyone who knows me knows how I believe the game should be played I have since I was a kid, and it's not carefully and conservatively. Things are only risky if you don't practice them, simple as. Offloads aren't risky, tactical kicks aren't risky, and neither are quick taps. These things are only risky when they're done by players or teams who don't practice them. The same way, a line-out can be ultra-risky if you don't practice them. So imagine you absolutely never, ever practice a line-out. And then, in a game, you go and kick to touch off a penalty, like you see people do on TV. And the hooker hasn't practiced their throw, the line-out jumpers haven't practiced. You haven't practiced at all. Well, that line-out is most likely not going to work. And in practice, instead, if you're playing small-sided games where there's lots of touch on the ball, lots of interactions and continuity, then taking a quick tap and playing through the hands is actually a far higher percentage play. People just assume that things they didn't see growing up, will say, or don't see all the time on the TV are ultra risky. But the reason that the things are risky is because they're just not practiced and the players don't have confidence in doing those things. A lot of underage practices, they'll spend half an hour, 40 minutes on lineouts and spend zero minutes on offloads. And then as a result, of course, offloads are risky and lineouts are not as risky. So, as coaches, we just need to, I think, take a step back and get perspective on that. And I fully believe that playing ultra-conservatively and prescripted, telling your players what to do, can be as risky as anything, because you become really easy to read, especially at levels below the very top. So think about playing against a team that plays a 1-3-3-1 system, like so many underage and club teams play now because the All Blacks did it 7-8 years ago. And say that team doesn't kick much, they don't look to offload. It's actually so easy to defend against them. Because you know what they're going to do. But if you throw in offloads, throw in kicks, throw in quick taps, it becomes really difficult to defend all of a sudden. And if that team has really practiced those things, they're going to be on the same wavelength and they're going to have success. One exception to this would be if you have a monster pack, big centers and a huge bench like South Africa. They do break, or are the exception to the rule of what I'm kind of saying. Because they can just completely overwhelm teams with their power game. But besides them, look at the All Blacks in 2011, 2015, that won the World Cups. The All Blacks now, Super Rugby, look at France, look at Scotland. All these different teams that are doing well, and they go for things in attack. But anyway... Yes, I definitely want to win as a coach, but I've really come to realize that that is not where I get my most satisfaction and enjoyment as a coach. When I started coaching, I was playing and I was constantly thinking about winning. But now I love going out training, having the chats, trying different things out, encouraging players to go for things and encouraging them to yeah, be the best version of themselves that they can be. And then you start to see players getting more confidence and excelling. And that is just class. Recently, a player said to me that the best part of her day is doing the back split with me when we come together as a backs. And I promise you that that feels so much better than, say, if you don't have great relationships with your players, but you win a game on a Saturday. There's just so much more to it than the winning, which... I didn't understand at first And I think some people might Some coaches mightn't understand But then again if you have a great connection with your players And you win on a Saturday that's better again I hope you get my point On the other hand like I chat about When I play I'm so competitive That winning is just massive It's kind of everything but Since Covid I've been learning More and more that The key to playing well Is truly enjoying it Truly being present having fun and just enjoying the opportunity that you have to play rugby and to work hard and to give absolutely everything you've got on that field for the team. Because when you focus on that versus focusing on the outcome of winning, constantly focusing on winning, 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 this allows you to go into the flow state and play your best rugby. And when you're in that state and are purely focused on the present, you will best contribute to the team And give your team the best chance of winning. So therefore, kind of winning just happens. You don't need to be focusing on it so much. Like, I try my absolute best to help the team win. But in the past, I would constantly have been thinking about, you know, will we win? And during a game, before a game. And you can't really influence that by thinking about it. It just doesn't do you any good. All you can do is your very best in the moment and just relaxing, having fun and giving it your all will, I fully believe, give you the best chance of playing your best rugby because you get out of your head and you just go into kind of autopilot and that essentially is what the flow state is. I talked a couple of times during the chat about coach educators and how much they have helped me in my coaching. What they are, are more experienced coaches and act as mentors. And what they do is accelerate your development as a coach. So instead of learning something after four or five years, you learn it in one session. And you improve rapidly because you get to tap into their knowledge and experience and just accelerate your development. I mentor young players now as You'll be aware I just love helping people become the best versions of themselves. That's one of the main reasons that I started this podcast, to help young players learn from players at the top level and coaches. I mentor young, ambitious players one-on-one now so as to help them accelerate their development in the game. The same way I chatted about the coach educators helping me. You can learn things along the way as a player through trial and error. And that might be okay, but also, by the time you learn everything, your chance could be gone. If you're a player who wants to get to your next level, or if you're the parent of a player like that, and would like to have a chat, please send me an email, which is offfieldrugby at gmail.com. And that's in the show notes. Or send me a DM on Instagram or Twitter, at offfieldrugby. And just say, I listen to the pod and let's have a chat sometime about that mentorship. Please follow me on Instagram, where I share clips from the pod and content around mental performance. And also, please, please take 30 seconds to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Just tell me what you liked about the episode or what you like about the podcast in general. Even who you would like to have on, just any thoughts or feedback you have. I really appreciate hearing it and it helps me going forward. And also, the ratings and reviews also help other people find the podcast with the algorithm. So I would really appreciate that. Thanks for clicking in today. Have a brilliant rest of your day. Cheers.